Usually when you uh, shift the time of a service, you get to see the light in a different way in the room, and that's not working out today, but it's good to see you at 11.15. Thanks for being here. Today we celebrate the baptism of our Lord, which is a major day of celebration, a feast day in the church. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, I love you. God says through Isaiah, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. So I have two things for you today, two, not one, and I know that we can only all remember one, but I've got two. One, easy to remember, I love you, God says to the people, through the prophet Isaiah, through the great, demanding, convicting, difficult prophet Isaiah, proclaimer of justice. You know he was a wild old man with sunken cheeks and sunburned skin, lots of deep lines on that face, probably some wispy white hair with a lot of it missing. You know he had that musty old smell and hoarse voice of a prophet. He didn't time his prophetic encounters with God right in relationship to invading armies or the people struggling or stewardship campaigns. That prophecy we just heard that says in the first person, I, I on behalf of God, that God loves you extravagantly, steady, and forever. God says through Isaiah, I would do absolutely anything for you. Because of that all-defining love, you will do justice. You can conquer and withstand any force in this world, God says to you. It is this mantle that Jesus claims in his baptism in the Jordan at the hands of his cousin. Jesus is claimed as the beloved. God says through the Spirit, Jesus the beloved, who has come to show us how to live in God's love. It is this mantle that we receive right here in this stone font, God calling us home for a lifetime. If we were Baptists, I'd ask you, will you receive it? What does it mean for you right now? Can you accept it? So that's number one. Number two, Egypt, Ethiopia, Seba, Sheba, the ancient walled city of Saba, later called Moreau, that we heard of in Isaiah. To be really, really clear, those places were then and are now in Africa. Our formational stories of faith, where God is acting in the Bible from the beginning, have been closer to Africa than England. Something to think about, right? In Africa, related to Africa, referencing Africa, black Africa, known to the ancients, well before any notions of enslavement and racism as we know it in our history today. Those are not eternal ideas. There was a lively, interrelated, interconnected world centered in Asia, that's where the Middle East is, engaging all kinds of physical diversities and expressions of the holy that remain mysterious to us today. We read and we try to understand sources for deeper knowing of the forces that make up our living and our hoping. How wonderful and how much to learn and be curious about. Interesting to think that we do not always bring better modern minds to prejudices of the ancients. That's not all that's happening. It is much more complex than that. 
And it might be in some aspects that we are actually limited in our understanding by recent history in fully grasping the humanity that Jesus would have known and claimed, that Isaiah would have known, and that we will know as we receive the love of God for us. So we have to name it and think about it so that we can begin to be changed, to love what God loves, both a different past and a different future. So I was listening to a talk um, about this time in the church, this moment of COVID and crisis and worrying about who comes to church and who doesn't and all that, and our need for reformation. Who do we become? So how we need to respond to the times that we're living in. And one of the cautions was not to linger too long in nostalgia for times that actually probably never were as we even remember. So the speaker, it's a pretty tough talk, right, that they had given. The speaker ends with a version of the Isaiah passage that we have for today. God says, I love you. And then the speaker repeated it. I love you. I love you. I was struck by how intimate it felt. So this isn't a person I know. I'm listening on my computer. You know, nothing intimate about it. I wondered why it felt intimate. I actually worried, like, are you supposed to do that? Is that appropriate, right? Like the third wall had been broken or something. I love you. I wonder if what happened was the speaker, like Isaiah, said the God words in their own words from their own voice and risked that the hearer might have an emotional response. We respond emotionally to I love you. And it could get messy if we did that, right? Who is saying it? How are you hearing it? Can you hear God through me? Or do you just see me standing in this wooden box saying very strange words? Most of us don't risk that if we can help it, being fully emotionally present in public, saying the truest things, because we also have to do hard things and people get angry with us and pandemics rage and shut down all the ways we know how to cope in our lives. Well, baptism is not solely an initiation into the membership roles of this Protestant organization. Baptism is wet and weird and intimate. I remember a young woman at the first baptism that I was to do as a new priest asking if we could be sure not to get the gown wet. It was a family heirloom from her husband's family. Now, I hope I didn't say what I was thinking. We didn't get to wear masks back then, right? I wanted to say, you know, the gown has been wet before, my friend. Um, that's why it matters, right? But she was also sort of right. You don't have strangers dump salty water on other family heirlooms, right? And definitely not on your precious baby. But we do acknowledging in our own way that Jesus went down into the mud and had his cousin pour water upon him, in line with everyone else, all the people, it says, whom God loved so well. And yet their day-to-day -day was a hot mess of tyranny and suffering and confusion, sometimes hopelessness, a lot of struggle. Down into death with Jesus, we say, rising out of the waters into a resurrection life, the pattern of our lives. I want to say, can I have more of that water, please? It may feel sometimes like maybe we didn't do it right. This feels so hard. Can God really love me? Was I made like this on purpose? Can I withstand what it would mean to do right? It is a glorious thing in life when we encounter people who know their belovedness. 
I don't know if you've ever met anyone like that. I've met very, very few. In thinking about that, this January of 2022, I am thinking of people who have died recently, famous ones, Sidney Poitier and Harold Lewis and Lonnie Guineer and Desmond Tutu, children of Africa. I don't know the struggles of their hearts, but I do know that who they were in their living in public transformed for us the way we think about human dignity, who is worthy of it, who is denied it, how we read our history, what songs we sing, what we believe can change. At St. Mark's in the Bowery, we used to sing the Amen that Sidney Poitier sings at the end of Lilies in the Field. The Lilies of the, do you remember that? We're aging ourselves, right? Lilies of the Field. If you haven't heard it, have a look on YouTube. It's the old spiritual version, and as the sisters say amen to him, he says amen. He sings it with them. He packs, as he's packing up to leave, it's his benediction. So we sang it as a part of our post-communion rite. We just repeated the amen, not the verses. You know this one, amen, that one. My memory is that as we stood in that room, it invoked the film for those of us that had seen it, but the music itself invoked that time in our history of racial reckoning, the power of human dignity in a body rising up that spirituals invoke, and invited the power of that memory into our current times, our altar, our elements, our bodies, like water poured over our heads, a peculiar strength for the journey. Those scribes that wrote down Isaiah could not have known the trajectory of history in front of them, what it would mean to invoke Ethiopia or Egypt, as we cannot imagine how it will be heard in thousands of years from today. But today, it invokes for me the power of black bodies reclaiming their belovedness in God in this time through art and music and theology and the law and prayer, reclaiming that dignity for all of us, a dignity bound up in deeply feeling and knowing the dignity of all. I love you, God says through the prophet, and the prophet proclaims it. May the spirit of the prophet and the disciples of Isaiah and John and Peter fall richly upon we who sit in this room and at our screens this day, wondering what God has to say to us in this time, isolating a little bit again, failing miserably and noticing the failures of others again, improvising, being nimble, flexible, vulnerable to everyone who is getting it wrong. We rainbow people of God, Desmond Tutu would say. We have been shown how to do this, and what a blessing. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned, God promises. When you pass through the waters, you will not be overwhelmed. When you stand up against the mighty, I will be with you, God says, for you are mine. I have chosen you. I love you, says our God. And may the people of God say amen.